0: Pelotero Pickle episode 124. We're getting into Chris's definition of what a coach's job is. A lot of discussion around Juan Soto struggling and Giannis Antetokounmpo and his mindset. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 124. My name is Bobby Tewksbury. Joining me as always is Chris Colabello. Before we get started, a reminder to send us your questions, topics, concerns to pickle at pelotero.com or find us on social media. Uh, just look for Pelotero Pickle and you'll find us. Chris, how you doing?
1: Good, Bob. How are you?
0: That was that was the best I've ever done an intro that I crush at. Let's jump into the topics. Chris, you had a thread this weekend about what the coach's job is. Give us a quick intro to that and then we'll discuss.
1: Yeah. I like it's it's like really in line with everything that I know to be true. And I don't, I know that I don't know most things, but I know that I know this, I guess it most, I think most of what happens in the amateur world is there's this incessant need, and I and I think it's a, an urgency that people create for themselves, right? It's wild that I was just having a conversation about this with a 11U coach slash parent. Oh, this kid's got to do this, or he's got to do that, or he has to move his hands here, or he has to do this. And it's not your job is not to tell a player what to do. Your job is to get a player to understand how to do things for themselves. And I think there's just a blurred line somewhere because what happens to us individually is we all go to a place where we connect with some piece of information that was given to us throughout the course of our lives, whether it be from a little league coach, a high school coach, pro coach, any mentor in our lives, somebody that that impacts us, right? And there's this urgency to share that message with pupils, younger people, whoever your audience is. And it's wrong. It's just fundamentally wrong because your job is not to help that person do the thing that made sense to you. It's to help them learn about themselves. So, I mean, I could go on about it for a long time, Um, just, I feel very strongly about it. And I think that's, we're seeing a world now where people are very committed and invested to wanting to be right or selling the fact that they have the best information or they have all the answers. And that's where all the doubts come from.
0: I think doubt's at the root of all of it. We had a call last week where that was kind of the theme of everything is everything is rooted in doubt and it's just everything is right and everything is wrong depending on who you're talking to that's my kind of my stock line that I've been going to lately you could tell you could tell any athlete something that might seem wrong and it might work for them we don't as coaches we don't get to choose what works we need to put ourselves in a position where we can learn we can assess we can we can try to get better at delivering the right information, but we don't get to choose what information works. So for me, it's crazy that anybody would res- restrict themselves from any information when you don't know what is going to work. You have guys like Albert Pulse who said, I swung straight down. I swing down. Jim me I swing down. Then you get guys that are talking about swinging up. And then nobody's ever asking like, well, all right, the swing up guys, what do you do against guys that rise that ride the ball. Like you're probably thinking down against those guys. And then the swing down guys, when you face a sinker guy, you're probably thinking more swing up. So there's no context to it. There's no, um, there's no attachment to the game. And that's for me, I'm getting more and more focused on that messaging about everything needs to tie back to game situations or game performance or game like scenarios. The, the phrase that I'm going to start using, this is going to be a, the term, the, the marketing term here is brandable chunk, but it's going to be like, you got to put hitters in somebody's trying to get you out scenarios. If, if you're in batting practice, the, typical batting practice is the coaches trying to help hitters get hits. Typical game scenario is the pitchers trying to get you out. There's the major disconnect with those two things. In one scenario, you're trying to get hits, the coach is assisting you in getting hits. And then the other scenario, somebody's trying to get you out. It's funny, it's ironic. It, it's, I, but talk. I
1: would take it even a step further than that.
0: <clears throat>
1: There's for, <clears throat> excuse me, for hundreds of years, and we could re- we could revert it back to the 1960s if we wanted to, right? Pitchers were actually throwing batting practice. It was the pitchers who threw BP on their, their bullpen day or whenever they threw it, right? It wasn't as much coaches. So there was there was an element of that where the, the, the guy who was throwing your batting practice was actually a pitcher who had timing considerations and things like that. And then we got very weird about people throwing too often. And I don't necessarily know if there's real true data to verify or nullify the fact that guys should be throwing as much as they are because we have guys that are playing catch every day, but they're not throwing BP. But I think that the true point of it is there's a way to connect everything to the game i had to have a conversation with an 11 year old the other day about why are you hitting off the tee right his dad sent me a video of him hitting off the tee his dad asked me he said is the t valuable and i said i haven't hit off the tee since 1998. and then i said with one exception to that when i was trying to feel myself land i was fundamentally trying to feel something in my swing that I needed to feel in the game. Like, I needed to land before I actually started moving to the ball. That was the feeling I was trying to create. But I said to the kid, I said, every time you hit off the tee, you have to picture a dude on the mound when you're doing it. That's probably one of the best pieces of advice that I got when I was little. They told me, when you hit off the tee, imagine a pitcher throwing you a fastball, right? Just don't stare right at the tee. Look out to the mound where the pitcher's throwing from. So it's this creativity that we have to kind of align with as individuals. And it's the same thing with flips and the same thing with BP where you have to recreate a circumstance and it's not easy. You have to be a creative thinker. You can't just go mindlessly do the act because then it becomes work that's insignificant. I I don't necessarily think you need to create an environment where somebody's trying to get you out because guess what? BP is hard. If you do a live BP at a practice, it's still hard. It's hard to get hits. I watch it happen all the time. You go live BP and the guy throws a three-hit, one-run game, right? Because there's defense out there and the game's moving and there's flow to it. So hitting is hard in every scenario. And I tell pitchers this all the time. Like, if you guys don't understand that throwing strike one is so valuable. So there's this whole thing to all of it where I think you can make BP difficult for yourself if you create the elements around it, but you have to use your imagination to do that a lot of times. And I think that's the part that's hard because then people start going, well, what if, is this right? Or is this wrong? So it's like, you try to put them in the environments that are going to resonate the most, even though that you don't know if they will or they won't.
0: How did you, how did you feel as a player? If you were making outs in batting practice, if, if, if BP was too hard, did that hurt your confidence or did it make you feel like you weren't prepared or did it make you feel more prepared because the game wasn't as hard in comparison? I think
1: it just depends on the circumstances, right? It depends on your confidence levels. It depends on your, your your ownership of self, right? If When I was 17, I would have told you that taking good BP probably mattered to me significantly more than when I was 23. I think when I was 23, I identified that doesn't really matter what happens in BP and, and it's something you don't necessarily learn until you play every day, right? Because then you, you build a database of information, right? When you're playing 90, 100, 142, 162 games in a, in a summer and you're doing it every day, those things, those things stand out much more. When you play a game on Tuesday, then a game on Friday, then another one on Tuesday, or even just a three game series every weekend, the games feel further apart because they are. And so it's harder to connect with the information because what it comes down to is everything reverts back to how does it make you feel? Does it inspire confidence? Does it give you belief that you can go out and perform? Sometimes that belief is a false narrative because if you go out in the game and then all of a sudden the guy shoves, then you're in trouble, right? If he makes pitches that are unhittable and four at bats, you're not going to hit anyway. So it's just really hard to connect with the right message that is what what is the thing that I really need to do to prepare to play this game. And it's certainly not have a good BP because I actually started to believe that when I had bad BPs it meant there were more hits to be had in the games. Maybe I focused a little more. Maybe I focused on my barrel path. Maybe I stayed through the ball a little bit more. It's all this intertwined mess that reverts back to it and always points back to what is going on inside your brain. Right. And how do you feel about yourself on any given day? In my opinion,
0: there was a, a Twitter situation recently where somebody was saying that confidence doesn't matter and that promoting confidence is like a disservice to people. I thought that was pretty strange. And they, I think they, they tasked me with defining the word confidence. So I just Googled it and shared the definition. I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is what confidence is. Um, it's it's always it's always interesting because sometimes, like you said, I, I would play better sometimes when I was sick because I feel like I'd have to be more focused or if I was banged up, you focus a little bit more. But how much of that is just you got better pitches to hit that day versus like <laughs> how much of it is you just had opportunities to be successful and it stuck in your brain because you remembered it.
1: But so there's something else to it, right? When you're not trying to do as much, a lot of the times you, you really key in on one part of the zone or you, you know, you slow yourself down to the point where you don't allow yourself to expand your zone or things get, to the point where they're just more simple, right? Because we create complexity behind them at times when we don't need it. So you're walking a tightrope as a hitter all the time. You're just walking a tightrope. You watch people that walk tightropes and you go, man, they're really good at this, right? There are times when I promise you that they would tell you that they felt really imbalanced or they felt like they were going to fall off. And maybe it didn't look that way to the outside world. But, like, one false step can take you off course. And in hitting, being off course, as much as it might not look to the outside world that anything's different, it's these astronomical differences, right? It just and, and, and we, in our minds, perceive them to be so drastic and so vast. That gap seems so vast. And that's why Rich always used to say, it, you're never quite as good as you think you are, and you're never quite as bad as you think you are, right? When you're in a 2-for-30, nobody notices except you. When you're 18-for-30, people are probably noticing because you're on base a lot, but they don't know how good it is. They don't really know how good it is. My nephew went 6-for-7 yesterday in a game and 3-for-3 the day before. So that's 9-for-10. And I noticed it because that's abnormal. But if you had gone 6-for-10 or 7-for-10, I wouldn't wouldn't have jumped out of my seat. You know, but a six-hit game is—it's an aberration. It just never. That's
0: happens. a lot. Of, that's a lot of knocks in one game. We'll and he, he said
1: to me, he goes uh, twenty to ten, and then he goes, I was actually mad at myself for making up today. And I go, do you realize how absurd getting six hits in a game is? But I think my point, my point in all of it is we feel such drastic differences when really they're not, they're really not all that far off. There's just so many circumstances that go into it, which is why getting, allowing yourself to go to the field every day as the person that you want to be instead of the person that you are would be, I think my, my objective to be if I could go run the same race again right? Just be the person that you want to be every day. It's
0: 24. And you're the one that controls way. it. 24, 16. Oh, it was
1: 20 to 10. I just, I, I skipped, I omitted the last inning. So yeah, it was 20 to 10 <laughs> in the eighth.
0: Uh, yeah. The role well, Rollins scored seven in the eighth there. So yeah, it's, it's a big topic too much to attack in one segment on Pelletero pickle, but good stuff. Good thread. It was well-received. Let's move on to Juan Soto and his struggles, essentially since he came over from Washington. He's he's on the struggle bus. There's a video of him that was on social. Everybody's freaking out about it. I have some pretty strong takes on it. The thing I want to lead with is he's one swing away from being Juan Soto again. He's not Juan Soto right now. His neural pathways are broken, but he's one swing away. I've somebody said that human memory is not reliable or something to that effect. I think a a hitter of his caliber, he needs to feel it once. And once he feels it once, he'll be able to start repeating it. The did you see the the BPE was taken? Yeah. What were your thoughts on it? So super close stance, pulling the ball. Seems to be feeding the mistake. What are you seeing?
1: Yeah, look, I, to each, it's almost irrelevant, right? Is it literally the video of him taking VP is so insignificant to me. And if, from a standpoint of maybe, right? It's just maybe. It, is it the unlock? I have no idea. But to me, a lot of the times the unlock was some simple, minutia feel that I created, right? And, and I, I told people this one time. Go back to the game. I got benched in independent ball. Right? I got benched in the front end of a doubleheader. It was supposed to be a single game. We got rained out. So now I got to go to the field and I, I got to sit the front end of a doubleheader. And I remember being in the cage and I was just angry. I was mad in the cage that i let myself get to the point where I was hitting 238 in the American Association. And I literally just started squeezing the bat harder. And by doing that, I was, I was flipping it in front of my head. But, and when I did that, I, all of a sudden, I just, I, I guess it cleaned up my ability to like hold the barrel angle as I was turning into the zone. And I hit a rocket to right field for the first time without trying it. Like I wasn't forcing a ball to right field. I wasn't thinking about hitting it over there. It just showed up that the, the swing that I had learned that made me good just showed up. So the drill, the drill that Soto is doing doesn't, doesn't matter. He's trying to create a feel in his brain that will work. Let's, let's focus on something else for this guy. And I, I don't want to open up the rabbit hole again, but he made a comment. He said about the pitch clock. He said, I can't even play the game anymore. I can't, I can't mess with pitchers anymore. That was part of his, his persona. That's part of the hitter that is Juan Soto. You put him in a big trade. Last year, it went okay. It wasn't, it wasn't great. It was clunky, right? But he's still really good. Silver Slugger. I mean, it's not like he was terrible. But now you've added another layer to it where now it's, it's, it's about just, he needs to be where his feet are and they're not, and he's not right now. And it's probably the first time in his career he's felt Extended struggles and now he's thinking about how the pitch clock's affecting his ability to do the things he wants to do or that are part of his normal or that have been part of his cadence to get himself to where he is. It all matters, man. It all matters. It matters if it matters and all of it matters right now. That's just my, my, I don't know, 30,000 foot view because it's not, it's just not linear, man. It's never linear.
0: What was the year that he did the Home Run Derby and then got locked in? Was that 2019, 2020? I forget what year that was, 21?
1: It was, no, it was it was 21. Yeah.
0: So somebody made a comment, and I thought it was pretty good about, like, let's get him in the Home Run Derby. Let's just open him up, get him back in his feels. Um, the thing when I watch his swing, and like I, I play the the doubt game. And when I when I was working with pro guys, I would always ask like, "What is your biggest fear? What's the thing that you're trying to cover the most?" Because that's going to reveal to me kind of your your thought process and your it's essentially what where do you have doubt? So if he doesn't feel like he can clear right now, if he doesn't feel like he can pull the ball effectively, I mean, some of the swings he's taking, he's coming out of his posture, he's like his top hands like hooking over. If you have to cheat, if you feel like you need to be quicker to a pitch. It's going to just completely expose you to everything else. And for a guy that for the early stages of his career, which he's still in his early stages of career, but like 20 year old Juan to 20, like he's going oppo with juice and you can't do that when you're pulling off the ball. Uh, you just can't, you can't do it. And for me, when I watch the swings, he, it looks like he's trying to f- find the right field to be able to clear the wall out which will free up his brain to stay back and not cheat and everybody watches the video being like
1: 13 and 14 work bobby think about my yeah. 13 and 14 you hit the nail on the head right
0: so everybody's freaking out being like oh that's your the, he's practicing the thing that's making him worse also like there's the video of him doing like knobbed, literally knob the ball that we have some uh, some group chats out every time somebody every time some social hitting online whatever guy. I don't know. Am I I don't think I'm an online hitting guy, but there's all these people that'll watch a video of a drill and then they post their own version of it. So there's the Juan Soto hit, literally hitting the ball with the knob of the bat. That's kind of the problem that he has right now where he's, his hands aren't staying back. He's not getting depth. He's He's doing what he's practicing. So he's kind of flipped his reality right now. Uh, we, you've seen the, the backwards bike video, right? Where when you turn right, it goes left. And when you turn left, it goes right. And there's, yeah. if you haven't seen that video, look up backwards bike. Is it backwards bike, reverse bike, go on YouTube and look up that video. Cause this guy made a bike that when you turn the steering wheel or the, the handlebar, the bike goes in the opposite direction. It took him a long time to figure out how to, ri- how to ride it. His son, he taught how to ride it. And like he, canvas. he got it. He picked it up quick. It was like matter of weeks where it took this guy months. And then when he got to the point where he could ride the backwards bike, he got on a normal bike. He couldn't ride it because his brain was just broke. It was broken. He was going the what he thought was going to happen, the way his brain was firing, the neural pathways were were backwards. And then he felt it click. And I think that's what Juan Soto is about to do. It's going to click. It's going to be like, Oh wait, I remember how to do this. Oh, there's my field. What am I doing? Why would I, there's the field that I need. It's going to, it's going to click in because it, when, once you have those movements, they don't go away. This is like uh, talent code stuff. Talent is overrated. If you've read about, um, about the brain and about, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, myelin, the myelination process. If you've gone down that rabbit hole at all, read those books. If you haven't, that the neural pathways don't go away. They are still there. He just needs a single to go down. Think of it like it's two wires. There's a wire going left. There's a wire going right. It's going down the wrong wire right now. He needs the signal to switch to the other, like flip the switch so it goes down the correct pathway. Once he does that, he's going to be fine. He's still going to have some doubt, but he'll every day will start to get better. And I remember watching the World Series in 2018 and Ryan Howard was struggling. It was Phillies versus something. Phillies ended up winning it.
1: 2008.
0: 2008, yeah. I, f- I forget who they're playing, but it was Ryan Howard and I'm sitting on the couch with my roommate at the time. And he was a huge Philly fan. He like, he's they're
1: playing the race.
0: He's going off on Howard. He's like, this guy stinks, blah, blah, blah. And Howard was just spinning off everything. Howard took a pitch. I go, he's locked in. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, he's just felt what he needed to feel. Like you could see him catch himself like lunging and like getting too far out. And his weight, he was losing his weight basically. So I go literally that pitch. He took a pitch. I go, he's locked in. He's, he's about to go off. That gave me a two homers. And he's like, how did you do that? How did you know? I'm like, I just, if you watch what happened, like he, you could literally see his brain, the wheels were turning being like, Oh, you idiot. That's completely wrong. Let's go back. Now I know what to fix. Cause I felt it. It was just like the guy riding the bike. His brain flipped and, then once you know how to ride the bike again, you ride the bike again. But Soto's on—he's on the backwards bike right now. That's not a good place to be.
1: This goes so. to show you, though. That, so these are the things that, over the years, you, you just—you're gonna experience in the game, right? And everybody's looking at you from the outside, going, "Yeah, just do this." It's like it's uh, when you tell a pitcher, "Just throw strikes, man," and they go. Oh yeah, I was trying I was trying to throw a ball. That's why there's so much that goes into the act of hitting, pitching, throwing, whatever you want to call it, right? And over the course of time, the more the older you get, the less naive you are, right? The more information that you've gathered about who you are, the more fields you've created, the more things that even if you're not the smartest guy in the world, this is why stuff like Vladimir Guerrero Sr. is incredible, right? Vlad Vlad basically never balked throughout his whole career. He just he never balked, which is crazy. And that's that's a testament to the to the Latin born player who survival, right? If and when you get too much information in the long time, to your point what happens is the first time you miss the heater in or up or the ball that you've gotten to before that in your mind you've cleared out so many times, the first time you miss it, you go, well, I should have gotten to that. That was, that was an accident. Then you get it again and you miss it again. And all of a sudden you go, am I starting to have a problem here? And then now on the third one or the fifth one or whatever it is, you go, Oh crap! And and when that oh crap moment happens, it, it's everything is about the seed. The seed got planted at some point, right? So how does the seed get planted? What was the moment that creates the seed going into your brain? It could be somebody talking to you on the street. It could be the physical act of missing a pitch that you thought you should have hit. That in your mind or in in your in your past you've hit before. As soon as that seed gets planted most often, as humans, we try to go like this, zoop, bury it, right? Like, you try to move it back and bury it. Now, I don't know if that's where information goes in your brain, if it goes from front to back. But in, I perceive it to be, I'm just trying to find a deep, dark hole back there to put it in. Now, the problem is when you put a seed in the ground and you pack dirt on it, guess what happens? It's primed to grow, right? So as soon as you've packed it down, If it just gets a little bit of sun and water, that sucker's coming out. And once the plant starts growing, it's taking up way too much real estate. And if it's taking up too much real estate, guess what it's doing? It's taking away your clarity. It's taking away your ability to focus on the thing that you need to focus on, which is the adjustment, the moment. And, and part of the problem is we don't have, we don't have the answer because it's today is new. Tomorrow is new. The day after is new. They're all new experiences. And we try to we try to match tomorrow's experience to the one that we had two years ago. And, and a lot of times, it's just not how it goes. You can use the information from two years ago as a, as a foundation. But this is why I always talk about being a problem solver versus trying to have this linear understanding of how to fix it right it's cuz the, the how to fix it will expire at some point because you're a different physical specimen you're a different mental specimen because you've accumulated more information you've aged a little bit whatever you might have an injury so all those things play a role in it.
0: I uh I was going down some rabbit holes recently and doing like psychology and brain and chemicals of the brain and all this stuff and there was one video. I, I ended up on this rabbit hole of uh, like what addiction is and why addiction happens, and it was pretty wild stuff, actually. Essentially, there's like three main, three main areas of the brain, and when addiction happens, one of those areas gets so hyper turned on, and and if you look at, you get like a hundred percent total for each. If there's three. There's three main sections of the brain for this example. There's a hundred percent capacity available at all times. So if one of those segments gets ramped up to 80%, the other section, the other sections can't function. So there you're so freaking, you're so deep and freaking out. And that, that aspect of your brain is so activated that the other parts stop working. It's like that's pretty cool. So in the in the Juan Soto example, if he's too if he's too logical, this is like the whole paralysis by analysis. You can't think too much when you're hitting. If you're too into your logical brain, your analytical brain, the other parts of your brain aren't going to work because that you've turned up that dial too high for that part of your brain. There's too much attention. There's too much energy. There's too much of that hundred percent is on that piece of it. So then you're you know the, the parts of the brain that are going to be reactionary that are going to be your athletic nature, your natural reactions aren't going to show because that part of the brain can't be, you only got a hundred percent. You can't, you can't do a hundred percent over here and a hundred percent over here. You, you got to have the right balance. So with Juan Soto, when you start going, Oh yeah, you got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do this. It's almost like you need that. When you have a cut, it needs time to heal. When that part of your, if you got a, a cut that's infected, it needs even more time to heal and you need to give it time to breathe and it's when you like give him a guy, give the guy a day off, and if Juan Soto's leaning on the pitch clock as an issue, that's just it's he's not a he's he's keeping it inflamed. Any excuse that he's making, anything that he's using as I don't know, I don't want to say he's using it as, as an excuse, but he's not letting that the thing that's inflamed dissipate, which is trouble. Uh, some drills that I would say, some things that I would have want so to do bat variations would be huge. Short bat, long bat, skinny bat, heavy bat, different weight distribution on the bat. Anything you can do with, with different bat variations. Um, make him just feel stuff, make him have kinesthetic awareness, which is going to get him out of that logical brain as much as possible.
1: How about take a whole mm-hmm. at bat with a different bat? Try try a different just, bat until you hit a laser.
0: Yeah, I would, just, but that? I would just do different bats. Give, give him like a forty-eight inch bat and see what happens. Just give him different bats. The other drill I'd have him do is the the whole throw the bat drill. You know that one? It's like so simple, but you just take go out to go out to home plate and just start releasing the bat. I bet his bat would be hooking foul right now on a lot of these swings. So how can you for him? I'd tell him to to launch his bat over third base. See if he can throw his bat at over third base. And what would his body need to do? What would he feel doing that?
1: And turn the pitch clock off on.
0: That's it. He's just he just needs to figure out how to how to manipulate the, the pitch clock in his favor. I think he needs to just get in there early. I haven't watched his at bats. The one thing I know is when I when I tracked his at bats last year and from previous years, he is he was so good at not pulling the ball when he was early. That was like his superpower. And now he's just rolling uh, everything over.
1: Let's just be clear, too. We're talking about a guy who's got five homers and ninety-nine at bats. He's walked twenty-seven times and only struck out thirty-one for a seven fifty-seven OPS. He's still a one fifteen OPS plus and he's still a half a point of war right now. Twenty games. And his the
0: his batting average on ball and play the last 30 years games is forty nine last year and two thirty eight this year. I did this I looked this up last year and his his heart at contact rate is down early in his career. He was was 34, 41, 42 for hard hit. And then 22, he was 29% hard hit this year. He's at 33. So he's, he's not hitting the ball as effectively. Uh, this year he's pulling the ball, pulling the ball 50% of the time going oppo 14.7% of the time. His average first career is pulling at 36. So he's like 14% more pull and average oppo is 25. So it's 10 off
1: which is why everything goes back to hit a line drive over the shortstop's head.
0: Hit a line drive to the middle. Uh, his line drive percentage is at 6%, 5.9% right now. Ground ball percent is at 58. So his batting average in balls in play should be lower because when you have ground balls, your batting average is low. So just throw bats over third base one. I dare you to, I dare you to, uh, I just quick side note. Did you see MLB put in a thing? I, I did a little chat GP I was trying to be funny the other night with the uh, standing ovation of Maggie. Did you ever play with him? The uh, I played with
1: Maggs quite a bit. I text him a couple times. He's in the book. Uh,
0: yeah, got a, a strike, strike one, auto strike one because <laughs> of the standing ovation. You see that Ballinger got the same thing. Yeah, wow. absolutely wow. crazy. So. Uh,
1: you have to put in a, a request ahead of time. You need a twenty. A yeah, now you need aware.
0: a twenty-four hour request. Uh, I thought my ChatGPT thing. I, I called it the common sense rule, and it was a memo to the league and to the fans saying humans would act like human beings, that umpires would act like human beings, and they. I just asked them to retweet it just to acknowledge, and they didn't. So I was a little disappointed about that. But yeah, in the in the history of things
1: that have been stupid. That's I think putting in a request for a standing o ahead of time is stupid.
0: I think Major League Baseball is paying attention though, because some of the some of the pitch clock stuff that I recommended, they've implemented. Uh, some of the the they've acknowledged the standing ovation. I think it's all coming from me, is what I'm coming. It's this I, I'm pulling the strings from.
1: 67th most powerful yeah. person in baseball. Uh, 10, 10 years ago. Still, 16,
0: 68. Yeah, it was a while ago now. uh, G, uh Giannis Antetokounmpo. Tukumpo, Antetokounmpo, Giannis. Yes,
1: you sound like a person that calls me Calabella. There's no a. There's no a other than at the beginning in Antetokounmpo. It's just a, and then
0: it's just a long name that I don't really say out loud very often. So when it's, I didn't say Giannis. I was proud of myself for that. I almost said Giannis. So pretty good mindset. And a a reporter was like, "Hey, this year sucked. You guys are terrible." Uh, this year is disappointing, huh? You guys failed, and then he was like, "Did you get a raise this year? Did you get promoted? Like, why are you imposing like that? We have to win a championship to have a successful year." And I get where the reporters coming from, and I get where Giannis is coming from. Curious what your take is. He's the
1: best man. That guy's unbelievable. He has such wonderful perspective. Um, he gets it. That's, that is getting it 101. He talks about there's, it's the greats of all time have all thought this way. And I don't know who taught them that because society doesn't, forward facing society doesn't allow us to feel this way. Failure is not failure. It's just an opportunity to learn. Edison, uh, all of the, 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 the greatest achievers in the history of the world, Einstein, uh, they failed way more than they succeeded, according to standard human practices. Failure is just an opportunity to learn. It's just a way to learn. If you just don't stop showing up, you win. That's the name of the game. The key is to learn from your failures or your perceived failures. The key is learn from your mistakes, absorb information every time you err. If you do that, you win. That's winning in a nutshell. And unfortunately, society tries to live and make people live up to expectations that they've created based on some projection or number or opinion or whatever it is, right? Oh, you were the number one seed in the playoffs. You should be in the NBA Finals. Nonsense. The other team's trying. And oh, by the way, they just happened to run into a buzzsaw because the Miami Heat are a really good basketball team. So Jimmy Butler made a decision that that series was not ending without them winning. So it's unfortunate that we have these standards, because they, they really, I think they limit our ability to grow as individuals, and to teach the next generation of people. Um, and maybe it's just going to be human nature for the history of foreverness, that we're going to continue to live up to some false standard. It's the reason why we think on paper, every athletic competition should be won by the favorite. Uh, And it just doesn't happen. And it continues to not happen, but we uh, we generally just think it should um, because we live off statistical analysis or whatever.
0: There's, uh, There's two components that happen. Like in a team's environment, there's an individual environment and it's, you know, the, the, the people that are involved, the organization involved, and then there's the outcome and there's like, again, go like zero to a hundred at what level is acceptable? At what level are, are, is there happiness achieved? So for the bucks, apparently it was a hundred percent success was the requirement. Um, I don't know if my audio just went out or what, or no, Chris just muted. So I can't hear him. So the for the Bucks for that reporter, winning a championship was the only threshold that needed to be reached to be successful. That was the only acceptable level of performance. Uh, I, was, I, was, I, I take a lot of notes on paper. I write a lot. And one of the things I wrote last night was, if you have a travel ball team or if you have a baseball team, is winning the objective? And to me, the answer is no. Like, yes, you want to win. But more importantly than winning, you want to play well, in my opinion. Because you can win playing poorly, and that's not fun. And you can lose playing poorly. You can win playing well, and you can lose playing well. So if you play well and lose, that's kind of an acceptable result. So in Giannis's situation, did he feel like they played well? Were they in a situation to win the games? Did they just get beat? So... To me, the most important thing is playing well. And then, if you play well and you win, great. If you play well and you lose, okay. What do we need to do better? Where do we get beat? How do we get beat? But if you're not defining those things and if you're not creating kind of those systems to to recognize the true cause of failure or the true cause of not reaching that threshold, then you're not even you're doing nothing. You're just, you're just existing. You're not you're not working to make improvements. You're not feedback loops not in place. So any any thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I mean we, we have this it's it's just all irrational and, and yet completely rational because the human the human is is a competitive being, right? Human beings everything is rooted in competition, king of the jungle, animal, right? We, and it, it starts with our most basic principle as an animal is survival, right? Survival is winning, theoretically. Um, We have this tendency to, to just make it about the outcome because the outcome is the easy thing to point to for success. It's just really easy, Bobby. It's really easy to say, look at the scoreboard, look at my record, look at my stats. I was obsessed with it when I was little. That's all I knew. It was the only thing I could see. It was the only thing that was taught to me. And in so many ways, it's, it's just so wrong. Winning is just a byproduct, man. The the reason the Patriots won for 20 years is because they put them, they put themselves in a position to win. They didn't, they didn't win every game. They didn't win every championship, but the way you build sustained success, is exactly that model. Put people in a position to excel at what they're good at. Delegate responsibility to them and empower them to be their their own best version of self. And take your chances and make everything about the process. Make everything about doing your job. What is your job as part of a team? And then if we all do that as a whole, that we move the level up, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to win all the games. For all intents and purposes, all the Super Bowls that the Patriots lost, they should have won. Seventeen and zero, undefeated season, best offense ever. And guess what? They lost, right? And people would say that's a failure. Historically, the best, probably the best football team that's ever existed. And people call it a failure, and it's. It's a shame that we do that over and over again because of short sightedness and the inability to to detach everything that you're talking about from the situations. It's all about process. If you want to build sustained organizations that have a chance for success, that's how you do it. Focus on process every day, day in and day out.
0: Ready for our quick hits? Timer. I was is, born ready. Timers on. All right. You're going first. First topic. First topic. Zach Gallin had an accidental cut change. It had, where'd it go? Where did the link go? So I think seven inches of horizontal movement. Uh, I remember throwing BP like sometimes, and I would throw this like, uh, it would be a two seam or cross seam. Where's the ball? I'd throw it across the seams like this. I'd put my index finger on the top, middle finger on the... Basically, I'd have all four seams. I'd just like feel like I was finishing with my middle finger on the seam. And the ball would just, just take a left-hand turn. This one was a little bit weird because it was up in the zone. It's hard to stay on top of a ball when you're under it. And this ball just took off. I thought Gallon's reaction was amazing. Uh, squared up the, the umpire right in the mask. It was, it was great. It was just like an accidental pitch, almost impossible to hit because abnormal movement. It was, it was pretty crazy.
1: That pitch is referred to and coined by one Kevin Hardigan, former coach of the Worcester Tomatoes as the Chutter Up. We used to call him the Chutter Up. Alex Trezza texts me on Zach Gallant's Chutter Up the other day. He goes, dude, we've seen this before. Hardigan used to throw this in BP all the time to your point, Bobby, the reason why it was so unique to everyone is because it's so far from normal. Hitters are, hitters are living off of scouting reports, living off what they see with their eyes. If you can create the ability to do something abnormal in that situation, it's over. It's over. And uh, that's kind of what happens. So good for Gallen. Learn the chatter up. Throw it once a game, and you'll get that kind of reaction.
0: I think it's especially nasty when the catcher whiffs on it. If the catcher, if the guy that's expecting to catch the ball misses it. I mean, it, it, he whiffs significantly drilled the umpire right in the face. All right. that's good. We came in under time right there. Next topic. Jaron Duran hitting well with the weird grip. He's doing the kind common of overlap situation. Um, was that something you ever did? What do you got on Jaron Duran's? Yeah, your top hand pinky doesn't mean anything.
1: It's literally the least significant finger on the bat. I've hit with some version of an overlap. I never tried an interlock. Whatever works, man. Whatever gets the barrel through the hitting zone and catches barrels, the only way you're going to learn is if you go discover. So, good for him. Jared Duran is hitting well. The Red Sox need him, too. Good things. That's all I got. The...
0: The spacing of the hands is something you'll see more on the softball side. So the, going with a split grip, split grip is going to give you more and more control because the pivot point is getting more between the hands. When you get your hands closer together and you start overlapping, that pivot point starts to get between the hands. Your hands are overlapping that pivot point. And depending on your swing style, that can be really good. It can be a of control if it's too loose. You see it in like men's fast men's slow pitch softball. I guess women slow pitch softball too, but guys will get super whippy. At one point, somebody sent me a product idea and it was uh, like a band that you put, you like looped it on a finger and then wrapped it around, around the bat to help you hold on with your fingers off the bat. Uh, there's some whip point whipping tendency. There was a video from the Brave Spring training talking about lat engagement based on finger pressure. So there might be some of that going on, but ultimately find what works for you. Ultimate, you got to find what's comfortable, find what works for you. And if that's what he needs to feel comfortable, how about it?
1: Slash, he might need a heavier bat and a regular grip. Because in wiffle ball, I always have to go two or three fingers off the knob and the rest of my hand over the bat to create a wiffle ball bat that I can actually hit the ball with. Because if I do it otherwise, I cannot hit the ball. With the ball. Can't, can't hit is the that,
0: ball. Is that more just feel of the barrel? You can't feel the barrel if you if it's... If yeah, I no guess. Weight? I think so. I think it's extending the balance point of the batter, the pivot point of the bat. Makes sense. Uh, next topic: Bryce Harper's coming back 160 days after Tommy John. Uh, so he's taking video, uh, taking fungos at first base. Is he going to play first? I don't, I don't know too much about this, but I know he was taking fungos at first. DHing. Yes,
1: he's playing first base and DHing. They need a first baseman. They've lost two. They need a first baseman. Alex who do they lose?
0: Hoskins and Mike. who else?
1: the AAA kid that came up, left-handed hitter. I don't know his name. Uh, but I was volunteering myself to come off of my couch if they needed me, but Bryce Harper will
0: do. Sam didn't uh, give you the nod? He didn't say, pack your bags?
1: Uh, I wasn't as engaged in the conversation as I should have been. I could have I could have snuck it in.
0: Could have been missing Pelotero Pickle, f- or you could have been doing Pelotero Pickle from – uh, Houston Citizens this morning.
1: Bank Park, yeah.
0: Are they in Houston? Yeah, the, Phil-
1: the Phillies need Harper back badly. It's go time. See who, what they're made of.
0: Yeah. Uh, anything to expect? What as a first baseman that can't is he is he able to throw minimum? Oh, he's throwing? gonna be terrible.
1: Yeah, I mean he can do minimal throwing, but he's gonna be awful. It's just gonna be fine. He'll catch the ball when they throw it in his chest, and other than that, it'll be terrible, which is fine. first
0: base. But, I think perception as first base is easy but it's not easy.
1: Yeah, it's He's going to be a fish
0: hard. out of water. Fish out of water. Well,
1: my, my favorite line of a movie of all time probably was Moneyball when uh, Brad Pitt is turning to Ron Washington, talking to Scott Hatterberg about uh, playing first base. He goes, Wash will teach you. It's easy. And then he goes, tell him it's easy, no. Wash. It's inc- He goes, it's incredibly hard. <laughs> he goes, see? Yeah, well, we'll work at it. It's a hard position. Footwork is really, really difficult around the bag. Getting to the bag in a – when you get to the bag late, it's it's one of the most daunting things I've ever experienced in sports, literally, because the ball's already in air. If the guy throws you a short hop and you get to the bag, it's bang, bang. It's tough.
0: All right. We're going to pile on Juan Soto right now. Last topic. Major League Baseball played in Mexico City, and there was a statue – Was he the only player that had a statue? Why was there a statue of Juan Soto that was this bad? Let's
1: just be clear. That is not a statue of Juan Soto. That is not a statue of Juan Soto. It's labeled
0: Juan Soto. It's not Juan Soto. There's a statue of Juan Soto. It says says Juan Soto. There's a little QR code on there. Uh, His belt is strange. I don't know what's going on. I mean, this whole thing, his face is weird. His grip is, is he holding a bat? What is happening with this? It's the worst statue of all time.
1: Yeah, it's just not good. It looks if like you're like going to take the a, time gonna... to make a statue, do better. Especially if I you're need to put know, it in front of
0: humans. I need to know what this is made out of. Is it? I don't
1: care. I, it's, I'm over it. I'm is done. Is it like a I, paper machine? It's taking up space in my life. I don't need it. I'm done.
0: It's so bad that it needs to be discussed. I mean, it's it is the worst statue of all time. I don't know how it happened. I don't know who was responsible for it. I need to know if there are more statues and if they were bad. I, imagine if this is the only statue they had and it's just Juan Soto with the worst thing. Did you ever see that it's prank? Our- it was uh, there was a prank of a statue who's a famous soccer player, and they they were like, "Oh, That's here's your statue." I think it was Ronaldo, and it was the worst statue of all time. He's like, "Yeah, we can't we can't put this out." That <laughs> is not a statue. Of or Maybe it's David Solo. Beckham. Maybe it was David Beckham they did it for? Not some, a statue somewhere.
1: of Juan Soto. Let's move on. Burn that thing. Throw it in the dumpster.
0: It's the last topic. You can't, can't move on.
1: I, I can't believe somebody made that and decided to show it to other human beings and claim that it was Juan Soto. Period.
0: If you want to see what we're talking about, go to at Yankee World, spelled Yankee WRLD on Twitter, and look at this thing. Maybe we need to retweet it from Pelotero because... That ain't it. Oof. Oof. That's bad cover page bad, of that bad. in it today. Yeah. Alright, well that's the last topic. You got anything else?
1: Nope. Done. On that note.
0: Trick